Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Coram, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Derek Hansen. Derek is an international sports performance consultant and educator. He's worked for over 30 years as a sprint coach and physical preparation specialist, and his resume is impressive. He's worked with professional teams in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLS, Major League Baseball, national team organizations, and collegiate athletic programs. He specializes in speed development, strategic performance planning, return to play protocols, and electrical stimulation technologies. Derek's work as a performance coach and educator had a tremendous impact on me as an early performance coach, and I'm really excited to have him join me this week in this special three-part series on speed development. In this episode, we discuss the fundamental concepts for speed development and where most people go wrong and the role the central nervous system plays in the training process. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. So why is it so important to develop speed? And let's kind of put this in the context of youth sport, college sport, and maybe even why I know you sprint, your whole family sprints. So why is it just in general important to sprint? Well, I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons. And, and obviously, like I'm looking at my kids now, we just finished track season. And I don't know what it's like to go to a track meet or a sporting event and not see my kids do well or win. That obviously makes me feel good. So I'll go to a track meet, my kids come second. I'm like, ah, oh, they came second, right? When I'm expecting them to win or, you know, that's just the feeling we have in our family, I guess, because everybody's pretty fast and that's what we do. But I would say even socially, for my kids, them being fast has implications. You remember when you're a kid and you get, you know, picked for teams and you're not going to be picked last if you're the fastest kid out there. It doesn't matter what the sport is, right? Maybe golf, but um, yeah, that doesn't happen in the playground. So uh, even as a kid myself, I never had a problem with fitting in or being involved in sports, you know, even like, I hate to say it, but even being bullied or anything like that, because if you're fast, that's a currency in some regards when you're a kid. So, and I'd always play with older kids in my neighborhood and it was never a problem because I was faster than some of the older kids. So stuff like that is really, I mean, I, I hate to to, to dwell on that in terms of like, you know, your kid and, and where they're going to fit in, but it does help. It really does help with their socialization. Um, I, can, I can attest to that. I was, do you remember the, well, this you were in Canada, but we had something called the president's physical fitness test growing up. We had the Canada fitness test. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to do a mile run and I was an overweight kid and it was like me and one other kid that were always finishing last. It got to the point where like, I basically had a, like a line in the sand moment when I was in fourth grade. And I was like, I'm just never going to be last again. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but like, I got obsessed with speed. I started buying books, like the old, like Bob Ward sports speed. I would pay to go to speed camps. And so what you're saying is true. Why do so many people get it wrong? People think it's all about hard work. It is to some degree, but it's about consistency and doing the right things consistently like we hear all the time, right? There is a bit of a 10,000 hour rule, I would think in terms of running fast, but that doesn't mean you're running long distances and, and being fatigued all the time. So I think that's where society kind of glorifies this work ethic idea and concept of you got to grind and you'll benefit from it. And you don't really grind when it comes to speed. You're very meticulous and you take your time and you you run fast and then you rest, right? We just got a new puppy 
And that's what he does. He runs around for a short amount of time and goes nuts. And then he sleeps, but he sleeps more than he runs. So, you know, he's going to be fast, right? So, but I think people don't have the patience or understand that that's what's necessary to be fast and to, to train it like a skill. So is speed something that you can improve or is it something that you're just born with? I mean, it's a bit of both. Obviously, you know, when it, when I get parents calling me and saying, you know, can you make my kid faster? You know, you kind of bring the conversation around to, okay, what did you guys do as when you were younger? The parents, right? And uh, uh, we didn't do anything. It's like, and we weren't that fast. It's like, okay, well, that's a little tougher. But <laughs> having said that, everybody has the chance to improve. Like even my kids, they're running faster than I did. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with their mom, but she was a middle distance runner, a longer distance runner. And for me, uh, I think we've just isolated like technique and giving them the right doses of work and it's made a difference. So they are, they are better than I was, which is nice to see. And that's what you want. You want your kids to be better than you. So there is a great ability to be better and not just rely on genetics, um, I think. If you're someone that's pushing to be your best at work, at home, or in your personal life, then I invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter, Adaptation. In this newsletter, I curate actionable information and resources for high performers just like you. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. So what are some of the fundamental principles that we need to focus on or concepts if you want to get faster? Well, I think the big thing is you need to run fast to get fast, right? So like my daughter played basketball in club basketball, and she, this is her first year doing this, and that's a year-round thing. And so it kind of infringed on her ability to train for track season. So she's playing spring basketball, and then when we got her on the track and she started running, her times had not improved, and in some cases probably were a little slower. And I attribute that to the fact that she's playing basketball and the court confines you and there's people around and you're dribbling a ball and you can't run fast. I mean, you may think you're fast on the, the basketball court, but nobody really runs full out because you just can't. And a lot of the practice is very skill intensive. So they're not working on speed. So when we get her out and running on the track, she says, I don't feel like I can move my legs as fast as I used to. And that's a neurological training thing. So you have to put in those repetitions and run fast. And obviously technique is very important as well. So that when you turn those legs over fast and your brain's firing, you're doing it in a relaxed fashion and you're putting your body in the right posture in the right position. So I think there has to be some deliberate training around feeding somebody speed work, giving them enough time to rest so that they can reproduce that throughout the session. You mentioned neurological component of speed. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Where like the muscle is just a dumb piece of meat, you know? I mean, it, it really does what the, what the nervous system tells it to do. However, like when you train for strength, muscle hypertrophy increases the number of fibers in parallel. So you end up with more sarcomeres, so you can contract more. So the, the actual diameter of the muscle could have a lot of impact on how strong you are, irrespective of like just generating force, irrespective of time. But when it comes to speed, like what is it about the nervous system that requires so much rest in between these sprints? It's definitely the ability to turn things on and turn things off very quickly in a coordinated fashion. I mean, you see the development in robotics. Like if you're like me, you watch these Boston Dynamics videos where they have the robots jumping around and the dogs. You know, that's only happened not because of, you know, maybe this structural stuff, but it's because of the software. 
the, and the processing speed so they can process movement faster and feed it to these robots so that they can balance and jump and do all these things. And we're no different. You do have to train that. And it does take a lot of energy, neurological energy, which requires a lot of recovery. So if somebody is, again, I'll go back to the track and field example. If my kids have to race at 9 or 10 a.m., I have to get them up four or five earlier before so that their brain is ready to fire and get things moving. If they go into a race groggy, we know it's not going to end well. You know, you have to take that into consideration, the warm-up piece, the recovery between repetitions, because you got to turn things off, you got to turn things off. Not all the muscles fire at once, they fire in a sequence. And it could be thousands of a second difference in terms of that sequence. So that takes a lot of processing power. You want to make sure that you're, you know, again, I have cameras that overheat because they have processors that work so hard and to great 4K at 120 frames per second. And guess what? Most of these cameras have overheating issues. And it's the same thing. It's it's you're kind of exhausting the system, right? So, and that's the same in a cheetah. I think that's the reason the cheetah can only really chase its prey for about 15 seconds and then it overheats and then it you know it just can't it has to relax and maybe take another 35 minutes before it can even do anything again and maybe three or four days before it can hunt again and, and really go after it so that's neurological that's not that's not physical or structural so can we talk about this high low concept for me when i first learned about that it was like a big eye opener I'll, I'll give you an example when i was a in strength conditioning, I'd already been exposed to this, but I was at a, a specific school, a big time school, you know, and the coach is like, yeah, we got speed school today. I'm like, oh, he's a brand new strength coach. I'm like, okay, let's, let's go to speed school. Right. And it was just conditioning. You know, there was nothing fat. A lot of guys were competing, but there was no speed about it. They were dead when they left. And I'm like, how is this training speed? And one of the fundamental principles that I learned through Charlie and through your work is about high, low. Can you explain that to somebody like why medium is not where you're going to get faster typically? Yeah, I think, you know, if we talk about high speeds, medium speeds and low speeds, you're, you're again, we talked a bit about energy systems before we jumped on. And if high speed has a huge neurological demand, then there's going to be a recovery period required. But then at the same time, you can fill those gaps while you're recovering with work that is slower and a little easier so that it facilitates recovery, whether it's increasing circulation and, and getting more nutrients through the muscles and through the nervous system and, and blood. Those two combinations of things, one is very fast and neurological and makes you faster. And the other is more sort of low key, circulatory, relaxing, you know, it'd be no different than somebody who's using their brain really hard for math problems, and then they have to go and do some meditation, right? There has to be some recovery from that. So, but the problem is with the middle, which is tough, where maybe it's constant running and it's it's a you know relatively high speed. You just bog down. You don't have that circulatory system working the same. Uh, you run out of fuel. Uh, you have all these you know waste products, pretty much freezing things or seizing things up. I guess in society, again, if we talk about that work ethic thing, people think that that's good. Like, oh, that guy's, you know, turning red and about to vomit. That must be really useful because he's suffering. But as you and I know, it's not about suffering. It's about putting in the right amount of work. So this balance of high intensity work, which is going to make you faster and the low intensity, which is going to well, not directly, but sort of it's kind of fuels 
the recovery and it fuels the recuperation so that you can reproduce it, right? So, and the other part of it is we talked about that cheetah example, your body can only tolerate so much high and medium intensity before it breaks down. The low intensity is there to kind of provide gaps so that you can recover and I think Charlie came up with the ratio of about 70% low intensity versus 30% high intensity. So you can't do high intensity all the time. Otherwise, it just bogs down and becomes medium and it's not useful. You really think about health. You're thinking about recovery and being fresh the next time you go. But it, you know, in order to sustain this model, you have to have the highs and the lows. You can't, you know, you can't be flatlining in the middle. Otherwise, you will, you know, you will flatline at some point. Yeah, I've seen it many times and. In- just like you have, you do so much medium work. And that's kind of what our good friend, Chad, and I would always talk about it just as like everything just falls to medium. And then you wonder why you're not seeing higher outputs is because you never even touched it. And so, you know, you kind of build this ability to just kind of operate at whatever your capacity is, but the higher end never really gets developed. And it takes patience. And most, I'll be honest, most coaches and most parents don't have patience for it to like sprint and then do something that's not as intense. And that's what we're going to talk about in our next episode. But I I really wanted to kind of lay the foundation for why speed is important. Some of the misconceptions about speed in the next episode, let's kind of get into some of the programming for it. So if somebody's interested in like learning more, getting some of your resources, where can we point them to? And I post a lot of information just on Instagram, you know, five, six years ago when we were talking, I wouldn't have think, thought Instagram would be the place to be, but certainly it is now. But yeah, a lot of information, a lot of quick hits of bites of information that, that are easily digestible. And that's at Derek M. Hansen. And then I have another, my running mechanics, it's at running mechanics. That's where I do my courses as well. And I promote them. And that's runningmechanics.com or sprintcoach.com. So all of those areas, uh, you can find some information that might be useful to you. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. Thanks, Derek. Thank you very much, Eric. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a comment or view in the Apple Podcast app, because this is an amazing way to help support the show. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.